Welcome to the Strategy Driven Leadership Conversation, 16 Sources of Leadership. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this edition of the Strategy Driven Leadership Conversation, 16 Sources of Leadership. Strategy Driven Leadership Conversations focus on the values and behaviors characteristic of highly effective leaders. Complementing the Strategy Driven Management and Leadership articles, these conversations examine the real-world challenges managers face every day that aren't easily solved with a new or redesigned process and instead demand the application of soft leadership skills to achieve a positive outcome. In this episode, Robert Thompson, author of The Offsite, A Leadership Challenge Fable, shares with us his insights on the 16 sources of leadership and how these help individuals at all levels become more effective leaders. So now, without any further delays, let's get started. We are privileged to be joined by Robert Thompson, author of The Offsite, A Leadership Challenge Fable, and founder of Applied Performance, a leadership and personal communications services firm for entry level through chief executive officers. For the past 25 years, Robert has worked with a distinguished group of clients including AT&T, Hewitt Packard, Johnson & Johnson, Lockheed Martin, Sony, and Sun Microsystems, to name only a very few. Robert, welcome to the Strategy Driven Leadership Conversation Podcast. Glad to be here. Uh, glad to be here, as always. It's great to have you back on the show. I particularly appreciate your taking the time to talk to us about the 16 sources of leadership, which you have been working on. But Robert, to start our conversation, I wanted to ask what you see as the difference between management and leadership. Well, that's the age-old question, and you know, and it comes up in every every uh, workshop I do or in every speech I do. People tend to think that the two uh, words mean the same thing, and it's far from the the uh, uh, case. Uh, management, you know, if you really look at the word manage and go back in its um, its uh, entomology, you find that it means to handle. It's menos, um, and so management is about handling. And leadership is about, uh, uh, if you go in the dictionary, it, it's about to lead, to um, to go, to travel, to guide is one of the definitions. Uh, I like the guide word. Um, so if you're talking about leadership and management, management would be to handle things and leadership would be about guiding. So I always look at it this way. I try to keep things simple, as you know. And so what I tell my listeners is that leadership is about people and management is about things because you really don't want to manhandle people. Uh, that'll get you nowhere. Yeah. So if you look at people as some, you know, a person you can lead, you have the opportunity to lead, um, that's the best way to approach it. 
and in management, you can always um, manage things. So when people ask me the definition, uh, you know, all of my colleagues have their own. Uh, mine, you know, that uh, leadership is uh, basically a moment-to-moment choice. And uh, it's about creating open, honest, and authentic relationships that actually urge others to want, and that to want is very key in here, that urge others to want to discover their power and focus on what matters to them as well as the community that they're representing or involved in, whether it's an organization or something in their neighborhood or whatever. Uh, leadership is that moment-to-moment choice that we make all the time. Make sense? I like that. That, that makes great sense. I, I like that definition. And, and what I like to remind the people that I interact with is that just because you're a manager doesn't mean that you're a leader. That's correct. And just by being a leader doesn't necessarily mean that you're a manager. That's correct. Anybody can be a leader. And anybody, not everybody can manage, uh, but I, it's my philosophy that anyone can be a leader. They just have to find something that they're passionate about um, somewhere in their life, and hopefully that happens for most people. Um, but, you know, there are cases where people come to me and they say, oh, I'm just not passionate about anything, and, you know, I feel sorry for that. Um, but if, mm-hmm. if we get into a coaching involvement, I can ask them a series of questions, and eventually we'll find something that, they, that matters to them. Well, Robert, I wanted to ask you, too, if you see leadership as being a set of learnable behaviors or practices, or if you see it as something that an individual has to be born with. That's the other question that always comes up. Uh, you know, are leaders born or made? And it's kind of a funny thing because after we go around the room and ask people all this, you know, there's some people who say, oh, no, it's born, and they say, oh, no, no, you know, it's made. And I always come back with, you know, no matter what leader you've ever followed or uh, been impressed by, all leaders, you know, they've always been born. And that's a bad joke, but it bounces around the room a bit, and finally people get it that everyone's born. Uh, therefore, you know, leadership is a learnable set of behaviors, and that's why I have the 16 sources uh, that have been developed. You know, I've used in the past and still do to some degree the leadership practices and inventory from my colleagues Jim Cousis and Barry Posner. But, you know, my thing, Nathan, has always been to simplify things. And so what I did is I sort of looked at all of my colleagues, not just Jim and Barry, but all of the materials that I've been researching, reading, and and sort of uh, involved with over the last 20 or so years and said, what are the what are the most simple things that we can pull out of that that if we just did this, just these things, these simple things, would make us a better leader, and that's where the 16 showed up. So I think that you know leadership is learnable. Um, people often say it's oh, it's about charisma. You know, you follow people that are charismatic, and you know that's it's just not true, and it's proven by just going back and looking at Winston Churchill. He was not very charismatic, but he um, he spoke well. He was passionate, uh, and there's other people like that uh, that were not charismatic in front of large groups. So not everybody has to be a Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Now, we've already uh, touched on can anyone be a leader, and, and we said that anyone could. When we look at someone who's not a senior manager or that person that's thrust into the extraordinary circumstance that they get to step up. When we're talking about someone who's, say, an individual contributor and a leader, what kind of 
things do you can you observe about that person? Well, number one, individual contributors or a titled leader, and there's the difference. You know, they're they're obviously because the word leader is so used for so many things. Um, you know, leaders have the corner office, or they wear the red tie, or you know, they're in the pinstripe suit. Um, you know, and they're charismatic. Um, the individual contributor, uh, regardless of your role, you have to find what it is that you care about, and to do that, you have to ask questions. I, you know, I did some work years ago with a state agency out here, the transportation agency in California, mm-hmm. and it was really kind of interesting because we had the middle managers in the room, and a lot of them um, had people who were reporting into them through maintenance, let's say, and okay. they would say, "Well, gosh, you know, I'm not sure." You know, they were saying, "I'm not sure I could be a, man- a leader." They would tell me, but how can the people who work with me, who work for me, they would usually say that phrase, and I would usually call them on that. People who work with me, how are they going to consider themselves leaders when they fill potholes with asphalt? And and so it it came to me very quickly there. I said, well, what are they really doing? And the guy would look at me and say, they're filling potholes with asphalt. Well, you know, that's what they're doing physically, but when they yeah. fill that pothole, what what happens? So I took them down a series of questions, and I shared with them at the time my youngest daughter was traveling back and forth on the freeway, and I said, what if her car goes into a pothole, goes out of control, and hits a semi, or a semi hits her? What happens? Well, you know, accident, she could die. I go, mm-hmm. so these people who are filling potholes with asphalt, what they're really doing is saving my daughter's life. Yeah. And there was a pause in the room. And I made it very personal, obviously. But this story goes out to everyone's daughter, son, wife, husband, loved one. Um, and all I did with the manager is I said, so your job as their leader is to share this with them so that they get the power, the, the importance of what they're doing. And then they'll feel better about what they do because, you know, maybe these guys have not had the best education in the world. Maybe they haven't had the best upbringing in the world. And so it doesn't dawn on them that this, you know, pedestrian kind of work could have such a ripple effect. You have to share that with them. That's what leaders do. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense. And, in fact, the the example that always comes to my mind and I, I wasn't there personally to observe this, but uh, President Kennedy was going uh, on a visit to NASA and encountered a janitor while he was there, and he asked the man what he was doing. And the man responded, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. There you go. Yeah. You, you have to believe that man took such pride in his work that he was truly leading others to do the same by setting the enthusiastic example. Right, right, and he was doing his part. A similar story, a friend of mine who was a heart surgeon was going down the elevator, again, with a similar kind of situation, a janitor. And uh-huh. and they started the chat. And as they were sharing, you know, in the elevator, the janitor turns to my friend who's a cardiac surgeon and says, well, you know, actually we do the same thing. Now, <laughs> you know, my sur- the surgeon's going, what? You know, I went to school, I college, I, I became a surgeon, you're a janitor, what? How could we be doing the same thing? And he goes, well, you know, in a sense, we both save lives because what I do is keep the hospital sanitary. Right. 
And my friend told me this, and he goes, it was a huge wake-up call for him. He thought, oh, my God, I'll never walk by anyone ever again without acknowledging the value they bring to the enterprise or the organization or the, the city I live in or whatever. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's a huge learning. So it, it really is. Now, Robert, through your research, the, your interactions, your observations over the last several decades, you've come to identify 16 sources of leadership. I was wondering if you would briefly describe the four categories within which you've placed these 16 sources, and then, of course, some of the practices themselves that are associated with each of the categories. be glad to. Um, you know, I've been using for quite a while now, I've had the four commitment model, and it's had a few different iterations. And it's actually, in lowercase, um, uh, mentioned in my book, The Offside of Leadership Challenge Fable, uh, this four commitments, uh, because in the, the fable itself, I use the five practices from the Leadership Challenge material that uh, my colleagues Jim and Barry uh, have put together. I uh, was proud to do that. But lowercase stuff in there was the four commitments, and number one was show up. And again, uh, Nathan, I like to keep things simple, and, and you know, I'm known as the guy that keeps things in the street language. You know, It's like, show up. So what does that mean? Punch the time clock? No, 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 no. It doesn't mean that at all. It means show up, you know, your your presence, uh, this open, honest, and authentic presence that I talk about. Um, what it does is it, uh, it creates trust with others, and then it allows your voice, uh, not just the verbal voice, but you yourself, your voice, to not just be heard in the hallways, but to be listened to with respect. And so I think when people show up, it is with that open, honest, and authentic presence. Mm-hmm. The second category is step up, and that's, of course, taking action. It's uh, you know becoming innovative. And for me, the three words that go with that are curiosity. Curiosity didn't just kill the cat. Curiosity, if you look around uh, our country today and in business, it actually cr- is very disruptive, and it's a good thing. It's a creative disruption, mm-hmm. and that creative disruption allows innovation to occur. So when you... You think about you know, just going to the Apple company, uh, you know the iPod and the iTunes Store and so on, extremely right. uh, disruptive based on Steve Jobs and others and their their curiosity. What can we do? How can we make this better? And then that led to innovation. So that's the the, the step up um, um, part of the four commitments. Uh, the the next is serve up, and for that, for me, serving others. Um, it creates engagement, and this engagement creates uh, camaraderie. And it's not just collaboration, but real connection with people, a real camaraderie, a sense of purpose together. And and when people are there and working together in that kind of a framework, there's a sense of ownership about the results that's far deeper than most. And so that's the, yes. the serve-up uh, connection. And finally, the speak-up connection is about vision, which we've touched on here a bit, vision, which creates possibilities. So if I'm a leader and I share a vision, my vision, whether it's whether I'm a mid-manager or the CEO, I share my vision for where we want to go, that creates possibilities. It, 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 it sort of ignites ideas in, in other folks, and so those possibilities get out on the table and, and we can explore those. And then once we have the possibilities on the table, well, then we can take action on them. And so that's how the four work together. So show up, 
step up, serve up, and speak up. You know, a phrase that I've heard, and uh, I can't take credit for it, but I have used it uh, with respect to show up, is uh, one of my clients, they had a big sign when you went into the conference room that said, be here now. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's exactly it. Be here now. Yeah. 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 Now, Robert, can leaders be truly effective without routinely performing all of the 16 source practices? You know, that's an interesting question. They can probably be effective. I mean, it's not, you know, when, when I, I'll share the 16 with you, but it's, it's not that these things, you know, are rocket science. Uh, in fact, they're hopefully the opposite of that because, again, I, you know, my goal is to, to offer simple, practical results. And so these are things that people are probably doing. They just need to become aware that people out there in their world would like to see it done more. So it's the frequency of these things. Uh, but sure, you know, if we were to go back and look at the leadership practices inventory, there's 30 behaviors there. Um, that's probably more uh, robust, and people could probably find more there. But I've often found that, as I said earlier, people want more simple. So what can I do right now, simple, and I can remember it? So what's memorable? And so that's where the 16 came. And if I, you know, Nathan, if I could get these things down to 12 or 8, I'd do it. But probably people could be effective. But I just think that after I've distilled down all this stuff after 20 or so years of being in this business, I think if you were to do these 16 things on a more regular basis, you'd be very effective. And certainly there are other things in, you can do, and, and probably uh, uh, I would even share those beyond, but I, again, I just like to drill it down and get people to focus on the things that they will do, not the things that they would think they'd like to do. Uh, Robert, and, and I haven't asked you, but uh, could we just go through the, the list of 16 for our audience? Be glad to. Okay. So under under show up, uh, so I've, what I've done is I've taken and, and put four behaviors under each category of the four commitments, trying to, again, keep it simple, the four, the four uh, that way people you know, don't have to remember lots of different things because <laughs> I have trouble with it, so I figure everybody else might too. So under show up, uh, the, the first behavior is to be present in a way that ensures other feels, others feel important. And you know, I, I was given that opportunity uh, when I first started in my career uh, at a newspaper. Uh, I connected with a fellow that sort of mentored me, took me under his wing, and I had no idea what that word was at the time. I was very young and just getting started. And he really didn't understand what mentor was, but we clicked, and I worked with him, worked for him, and then with him. Um, but whenever I was with him in any work situation, even though I was um, a clerk, uh, he would take me places uh, to the clients and so on, and I felt important, and I didn't feel, you know, uh, you know, go over here and sit down and be quiet kind of a thing. I felt like I was involved, and so I felt like I was learning and I was important. Uh, the second is to allow your values to drive your actions. As soon as we lose sight of our values, our actions can become, you know, more or less like we're driving drunk, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, the third is to follow through on promises. Very. You know, again, not brain brain surgery or rocket science here. Follow through on promises. If you're going to say you're going to do something, do it. Now, the one caveat I say there is sometimes you say you're going to do something and something gets in the way that you can't do it. And 
clearly there that what the leader needs to do is communicate the why. Go back and make right. sure they understand why. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're going to do it at another time or whatever it might be, but make sure you follow through on promises. Uh, the fourth under show up is ask how your behavior influences others. This is hardly ever done. Um, you know, it's about not obsessing with this. It's not about having every day saying, how am I doing? Like like Mayor Ed Koch did in New York, how am I doing? But it's every so often and on a regular basis, how is my behavior, how what is what I'm doing impacting you? You learn quite a bit with that question. And if you can have this question circulate and be embedded in an organization where no matter what level you're on, you can ask this question mm-hmm. and answer it, uh, the culture uh, is going to be awesome. So that's show up. Okay. Step up now is uh, the first uh, behavior is to encourage curiosity. We talked about that you know, as being mm-hmm. the, the foundation for innovation. So you have to yes. encourage curiosity. You need to question the status quo at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, thirdly, you need to see obstacles as opportunities. Okay. And then finally, under step up, convert those ideas into action. And lots of times people sit around in an office and come up with plenty of ideas. Yes. Where's the action? And, and before you leave the room, where's the action? Not, hey, we got a bunch of great ideas here. Who's going to do them? And then you, know, you leave the room and nobody does them. Under survey, right. The first behavior is to serve those who join with you. Um, this is a servant leadership concept, and I was—I loved the servant leadership concept, and I really believe in it very strongly. And I think that leaders, regardless of where you are on the on the flowchart here, uh, you need to serve mm-hmm. those uh, that are working with you. So if I'm the CEO, I put myself at the very bottom. My job is to serve those in the organization or delivering product or service to the customer. That makes sense. And if I'm a that manager, does. my job is to serve those who are actually in the field doing the work that I'm managing. My job is to serve those. Make sure they have the resources they need and so on and so forth. Uh, secondly, under serve up, I recognize efforts creatively and meaningfully. You have to have this come from the heart and at all times as creative as possible. And there's ways, you know, there's books out there on how to honor and acknowledge people in a more creative way. So don't think, well, I'm just not a creative person and so I can't do that. Um, but you need to recognize their efforts in a creative way and, and from your heart. And, you know, you don't have to do this again. It's not like obsession, like they come to work, you know, they need a, a prize. That's not the point. The point is mm-hmm. to do this in a very meaningful way. When they do something significant, uh, they should hear from you. And this should be right away, not in six months when you do the performance review. Right. So right. now the third is to be respectful even under difficult situations, and I think that's important. The even under difficult situations is the key there. A lot of times uh, there are times in business when things get tough, and people lose uh, sight that they need to be respectful with those, and they start yelling, demanding, bossing, bullying, and I think that that's um, obviously inappropriate. And finally, under serve up, encourage a we, not an us versus them mentality. Um, you know, get rid of the silos, for God's sakes. And it's not a, you know, it's not a war out there with your own team. It's mm-hmm. consider yourselves a group, a team, a we. Um, now, under speak up, this is probably the hardest uh, that people get their hands around because this vision stuff they always think is for, as we said, people who are charismatic or at the top of the, you know, the totem pole. 
but the first the first thing in Speak Up is to invite others to create and share in the dream. So regardless of level, I want to make sure that I'm inviting others to participate. The second is I need to have an uplifting vision. So what is the vision for the future that you have in mind for everyone? And, and how can you make it more uplifting? How can you engage them? Thirdly, articulate the benefits. We, we hardly ever do that. It's like, oh, follow me. Well, what are the benefits of my following you? Now, if you're mm -hmm. in the workplace these days and you have some millennials working with you, it becomes tougher because they really need to see what's in it for them right now, not 10 or 15 years from now. At least that's what my uh, research has shown along with uh, my own kids. And fourth and finally with Speak Up, communicate with a clear, consistent voice. People need clarity and they need consistency. Uh, that's absolutely instrumental in making sure that um, your leadership behaviors shine for others so that they can join with you. And that's the 16. Pretty simple. I really like that list. And as you went through it, I could envision the doing of each and every one of those things. Yeah. A, a very simple list, but a very clear list and one that was easy to visualize and then to emulate. Well, I hope so, Nathan, because uh, this is a part of uh, a new workshop that we put together that's uh, somewhat based on my book and somewhat with the new stuff that will be in the next book. Uh, some of the characters from the leadership or the Offsite of Leadership Challenge Fable um, will appear in the workshop as uh, talking points. And it's kind of fun stuff to bring Charlie and Abby back into the fray. But mm -hmm. um, they'll be speaking these 16 sources and really encouraging people to uh, uh, begin to use them, embrace them, and remember them. And so we've got four commitments and 16 sources. Um, that should be pretty easy to, to, um, to keep in mind. And I also make sure that the end of most of my presentations these days, um, I, I talk about one more thing and sort of a um, um, commitment I have to the Steve Jobs kind of uh, presentation style. Uh, one more thing is that it takes about 10,000 hours to get really good at something. That's what the scientists say and the experts in the field of all of this say it takes about 10,000 hours, so we have to practice. Uh, the question I get a lot is, well, what do we practice? Well, now I've got the 16 sources. You can practice these things. You can do them on purpose. But if 16 is too many, and sometimes mm -hmm. it is for folks, I've got something I call the fast-forward questions. You uh, want to, do you want to hear those? I would I'd love to hear those. All right. yes. So the fast-forward questions are, again, not rocket science. Not <laughs> We're not talking anything of brain surgery here. It's just simple, effective things that you can say. So there's four questions that you can ask each other in a workplace and the home if you're bold enough. Uh, those four questions are, what can I do more of for you? What can I do less of for you? What can I start doing for you? And what can I stop doing for you? Ah. Pretty simple. Pretty simple, easy so, to remember. I like them. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if you can't do 16, if you can't remember, then God's sakes, you should be able to remember four things. <clears throat> and what I try to tell folks is, again, you're not walking down the hall every time you're talking to somebody, what can I do more of, what can I do less? It's casual, comfortable. Embrace this in your organization. Now that I've been out there doing this for years, people have written me back and talked to me and they said, my God, I didn't realize how powerful that and simple they are. And I just make sure that I ask people this in a variety of different ways. They don't always have to say, well, I'm going to ask you the fast forward questions now. It can be just, you know, what can I do more for you? And this goes right back 
to um, when we were talking about um, uh, showing up. And, and we were talking about the last question I asked, how my behavior influences others. This mm-hmm. speaks right to that. So if the only thing you have an ability to recall is four things, if you can do that, then ask these fast-forward questions because it will change um, the dynamics in your organization. It changes cultures. Um, if, if you can get the CEO to do it and the janitor to do it and everybody in between uh, to begin to do this to each other, uh, you know, it's just amazing the, the change that takes place. Mm-hmm. And I can envision using these with like a peer mentor. In, in my career, I've often aligned myself with a peer that I was comfortable with, mm-hmm. someone whose style was not necessarily the same as mine that I felt that I could learn from. And typically it's a reciprocating relationship. So they learn from me. Uh, that would be the perfect person right. to ask the four questions of. I just did a presentation not too long ago in L.A. that was uh, sort of the theme was mentorship. And so when we got to this, I said, look, you know, if you're going to mentor someone, and these guys were, you know, they were wondering, well, how do I have this relationship? How do I have these conversations? You know, I'm not an executive coach. How do I do this? I said, why don't you just sit down with them and say, you know, what can I do more for you? What can I do less? What can I start? What can I stop? And then have them ask the mentor, what should I be doing more of, less of, starting and stopping? Right. So now that you, you know, and, and if the person knows the person in the workplace, they might have some great ideas. Mm-hmm. You have to ask the question. And so the, the the mentee has to be comfortable saying, can I do more of less of and start and stop in the workplace? Now, you know, this also can apply to recruiting. So when you're looking at uh, bringing in new people in the organization, you can say, what would that, your last employer, what did they need to do more of less of start or stop to keep you? Right. It'll tell you yeah. tons of information about the person um, and how they respond to that. So just four simple questions. You can embed these into your culture and you know change them up a little bit so that they're coming from you. And, um, and that's the way to practice. And that's the 10,000 hours. And before you know it, you'll be doing the whole 16 sources. And before you know it, you know, you'll be the greatest leader of all time. How's that? Absolutely. <laughs> That sounds great. <laughs> well, you know, Robert, I am I'm still dying to find out what happened to Charlie and Abby. <laughs> but uh, the last question I wanted to ask is if our listeners want to find out more about your workshop, where would they go to get that information? I've got a, a page on my site that will tell them everything they need to know. It's, um, it's an eight-hour um, uh, program. Uh, it's available uh, to be – Someone can be certified in it and deliver it in their own organization if they'd like, or they can have me deliver it. But if they go to my website, it's leaderinsideout.com. Uh, they'll find um, the off-site uh, leadership experience workshop uh, link there, and they can read all about it. Excellent. And they should just go to your website, too, to get great information on leadership from you and to sign up for your newsletter. Uh, and, by the way, I have. And uh, so I can attest, I like your newsletter. And in fact, I received a copy of it just today. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And my newsletter is not, uh, I, I tend to hear this, it's not uh, the same as many leadership uh, authors' newsletter. I tend to get a little personal with it and a little uh, provocative with it and have some fun with it. I also have, as you know, um, the uh, uh, radio show every Monday's at 10, and I post those shows 
uh, on my site under the uh, link Thought Grenades. So I have yeah. fun with that on Mondays at 10 a.m. People can listen live or they can uh, catch the show by uh, linking up on my website. And it's a great show, and I've actually appreciated being a guest on your show some months ago. Yes, you have. We've had a great uh, relationship over the last few years, haven't we? We certainly have. We certainly have, and I'm looking forward to it continuing for many more years. Absolutely. Well, Robert, I want to thank you not only for your time, but for sharing your insights on the 16 sources of leadership. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and more importantly, I hope that our listeners will put into practice not only the 16 sources that we've talked about today, but the fast-forward questions. I hope they'll visit your website because I think by taking hold of those key principles and putting them into practice, that they will help themselves become more effective leaders. Totally agree. So thank you again. Thank you again for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Nathan. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Strategy Driven Leadership Conversation Podcast. I would like to personally thank Robert Thompson for being with us today and sharing his insights on the 16 sources of leadership. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider recommending us on iTunes and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Robert Thompson and the 16 Sources of Leadership at www.leaderinsideout.com. Until next time, so long.